Could you join me in a word of prayer? Jesus, we thank you so much that the grave is empty, that death did not win, that you won, and that we get to be partakers in your victory by faith in you and what you've done. And I'm asking right now, Father, for myself, that the Holy Spirit would just speak through me right now. Because I know that there are people in this room who need to hear this message, who need to hear of the grace and mercy of you. And I'm asking, Father, would you just help us right now to give glory to you so that walking out of here, we are not the same as we came in. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, so quick poll of the room. How many of you love board games? Just go ahead and raise your hand if that's you, right? Oh, man, I love it. You guys are my people. Like, this is awesome. Because for me, I, like, like the perfect, like, couple kind of date is when another couple invites me and Jody and say, hey, would you come? And we're going to feed you. We're going to play a board game. And I'm like, I'm there anytime. Like, the, for us, that's a bit of our love language, except for one game, Monopoly, Right? <laughs> Like, you don't make friends play Monopoly, right? Because it's like four hours minimum to play the game, right? And then you get emotionally invested in a tiny piece of plastic on a cardboard table. And then someone, you know, eventually, like, takes everything you have because that's the purpose of the game. You spend hours, hours building up your little kingdom, your little empire, and then you watch it slowly go away piece by piece. And across the table from you, is someone who's just fanning themselves with Monopoly money, who's taking everything you have, and eventually you get so mad that you have to flip the table and storm out, right? Like, I know I've been there. And every version of Monopoly is the same. I mean, there's as many versions of Monopoly as there are church denominations, and they all have that same effect. It's a little bit evil, right? But it speaks so powerfully to something that is true of the way our world operates. You see, we live in this mentality I like to call the monopoly way, where it's all about you have to gain as much as you can to be the winner. And sometimes for you to gain means that someone else has to lose. And our world operates like this, where we're all trying to gain more and more of something. And it usually ends up being one of two things. We're trying to gain a certain status, right? Where we want a certain relationship. We want a certain job status. We want a certain status in the community. We want people to see us a certain way, to think of us a certain way. So we're chasing after status. We're trying to gain status, or we're trying to gain some sort of accomplishment. We want awards. We want the things that come out of it, people coming up and telling us, hey, you're, you did a great job over there. We want the bigger bank accounts. We want the more sex, money, and power. These are the two things that we all try to do. We're all trying to gain either status or accomplishments. Everything boils down to this. And this is the monopoly way. This is how we operate. And I think if we're honest, all of us, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, can admit that you've probably made some mistakes in your life by following the monopoly way. You have some broken relationships. You have done things that you look back with regret. You have said things you wish you hadn't said because you were following the Monopoly way. See, that's the trick of the Monopoly way. It promises you, hey, you can have the hotels on Broadway. 
But what you're going to lose in the process is your own soul. And you're going to cause some destructions. And there's going to be someone on the other side who's going to want to flip the table, or more likely it's going to be you. Because not everyone wins the Monopoly way. And when we play the Monopoly way, we create destruction in our world. Let me bring up a case study and point from history. So 2,000 years ago, there's this guy named Caesar Augustus. He was the ultimate winner of the Monopoly way. He took the Roman Republic and turned it into the world's largest empire when he avenged his father, Julius Caesar. He was so big in winning the Monopoly way, he wanted everyone to know. So everywhere in all of his empire, he built temples to worship him as a god. He started telling people that he was the son of God, that he was the savior and lord of humanity, and that he had brought peace on earth. And if you were a Roman citizen, you were agreeing because he was your leader, and you were part of the winning side. That was so much of history. But you know, for the majority of humanity, they didn't think that, because they were the ones who had lost the game. They were the ones who were oppressed and enslaved. One people group in particular had a long history of just one person after the next, always beating them in Monopoly way. It was a people group known as the Jews. But the Jews were different than any other defeated people. See, even when they were defeated, they still had this tiny little hope that they held on to when days were dark, when it felt like they needed to quit, when they felt like they needed to just get out of Dodge and quit the game and flip the table. They had this promise given to them by their God. That one day a man would come, he would be their Messiah, he would defeat all the enemies, he would establish God's kingdoms, he would bring peace on earth, he would be the true Son of God, the true Savior and Lord of humanity, the one who would really bring peace on earth. And so they were holding out, they're like, man, someone's going to come, he's going to be this Messiah. And during this time frame, there were so many guys who stood up and said, I'm that guy. And every single one of them got killed by the Romans. They could not beat the Romans in the Monopoly game. And every single one of them, except for one guy, did the exact same thing. They're like, man, let's take up sword and shield. Let's storm the gates. Let's overthrow the bad guy. We're going to get to the, the throne room of the Roman emperor and take him out. And every one of them lost. And then along comes this different Messiah. He starts saying, hey, let's not go defeat our enemies. Let's love them. Let's serve them. Let's be something different in this world. His name was Jesus. And man, you know, Jesus, he got a huge following. People were excited about him because he was doing miracles. He was saying some crazy things. He had no filter in a lot of ways. In fact, he would say some absolutely crazy things about himself. And there are many people who were eyewitnesses of Jesus and journalists of the day who wrote down what they saw Jesus do and they wrote down what they heard Jesus say to record it because what he said, man, it was radical. Here's something that he said. And the Gospel of John, a guy named John records, he's an eyewitness of Jesus and the life of Jesus, and he records what Jesus says. And let me tell you, this is, this is crazy. Here's what Jesus says about himself. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. First off, no one can claim any one of those things without looking a little crazy, right? Like, if you, someone came up to you and was like, hey, man, I am the true way of how humanity is supposed to look, right? Like, I know some of you are like, I have built my body to perfection, so I am the pinnacle of manhood, right? Like, I know maybe some of you, you think that about yourself. Jesus is like, I am the true way of what humanity is supposed to look like. I am the true source of life. I am truth incarnate. And any one of those things, we'd be like, dude, dude you're crazy. And then he followed up by saying, no one comes to the Father except through me. 
He's like, I know deep in your heart you're looking for redemption. You're looking for a second chance. You're looking for something that says God loves you. And he's like, you're not going to find it anywhere other than me. And you're looking at Jesus in that time frame. You're probably like, Jesus, you're crazy. You can't claim such a thing. But he would say he could because he said this. He said, I and the Father are one. So not only did he claim to be the Messiah, the guy promised to come and defeat the enemies, he also claimed to be God himself. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone came up to me and said, hey, Mason, I'm God. I'd be like, okay, prove it, right? Because here's, and I'm sure Jesus probably had that occasion. And so here's what he would say anytime someone would challenge him. Of like, are you, are you really God? Are you really what you claim? Well, here's what he would say. The Gospel of Mark records it for us. He said, the Son of Man, which is just a way Jesus referred to himself in third person. He says, the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. It's kind of like Jesus, he's like, hey, you know, you want to know if I'm God or not? Don't worry, you're, you're going to see. Let me tell you the details of what's coming up ahead. And so he predicted his own death and resurrection. And here's what's crazy. People bought into what Jesus was saying. And they were like, man, it's better that we follow his way than we follow the monopoly way. And so they, their passion, they're like, man, we believe Jesus is going to go and he's going to kick the Roman emperor out of his, his throne room. He's going to lay the law down. So people were following him. And then Jesus, even though he kept saying, that's not my plan, guys. I've got a greater enemy in mind that I need to defeat. But no one would listen to him. And then one day, the Romans got a hold of him. Because his own people who were more invested in the monopoly way than any way that he was presenting. They were more interested in the monopoly way, so they betrayed him. They handed him over on a silver platter to the Romans and says, hey, take him. And so the Romans were happy to torture him and kill him on a cross. And it looked like game over. It looked like this was the end of the story. In fact, here's what's so unique about Christianity. It's different than any other religion. You see, when every other religious movement, their leader died, like Gandhi or Muhammad, right, or Buddha, here's what happened. There were still followers because those guys had built their movement on their teachings. Jesus was different. When Jesus died, no one was following him. When Jesus died, no one believed he said or he was what he said he was. Everyone just gave up. You can read in the Gospels. They took off running. And you ask them, like, hey, weren't you one of the Jesus followers? And they're like, yeah, I did think he was going to be in the Messiah. But then he went and got himself killed. Right? I, I thought he was going to be the, the Prince of Peace. I thought he was the uh, Savior of the world. I thought he was the Lord of all things. But then he went and died. And for three days, that was the story. But then something happened. Something happened. Jesus rose again. And the story changed. You find these people who just three days before were hiding. They were not followers. They're like, man, I don't want to follow this guy. I don't want anyone to know I'm associated with him. So next, they're, they're standing boldly before a crowd and say, I've got a story to tell you, my friend. It is the breaking news of human history. Something remarkable has happened. And here's the story that they told people. It's recorded to us in the book of 1 Corinthians. They would go around telling people, for I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received. They're saying, hey, I've got some very 
Very important news for you. Something that I've witnessed, something I've experienced is the most important news, surely, in human history. Here's the news. That Christ died. The Messiah, the guy we were hoping for, the one we thought was going to defeat everyone, we saw him get killed. And we recognize that he died for our sins. For all of the, the mess and brokenness that we have created in our world, all the ways we have failed to be who God has called us to be, all the ways that we played the Monopoly game, we recognize he died innocent in our place. And this was all in accordance to the Scriptures, meaning we, we see that God had told people this was what was going to happen. Jesus himself said this was what was going to happen. And then we saw that he was buried. It wasn't like a, a fake, like maybe he will recover. We saw him dead. And we saw him get put in the grave. And we saw the stone get rolled away and covered up. This was game over. There were no respawn points. There were no second chances. We saw him get killed. And then we saw this, that he was raised on the third day. We saw him in accordance with the scriptures. We see that God had been talking. This is how I'm going to restart humanity. Here's where I'm going to create a new way for us to be human, where we don't have to follow the monopoly way, but the Jesus way is going to win out. Look, my friends, if you're here and you're like, man, I'm just here because it's Easter, or I'm here just in case, or you're sitting there thinking, I have doubts. I don't know if this is true. I don't even know if there is a God, and I get that, but I just want you to consider this one fact. Jesus predicted his own death and resurrection down to the detail and then pulled it off. Look, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be listening to that guy. If he says jump, I'm jumping. If he says go, I'm going, right? Because I don't want to be like that, okay? Right? Because no one else in human history has been able to do that. And this is the point, is that the resurrection vindicates everything Jesus claimed to be. So when people are probably like to Jesus, like, Jesus, I don't know if there is such a God. He's like, don't worry, you're going to see something soon that's going to convince you that there is a God who loves you, who cares for you. And these early followers of Jesus, let me tell you, they turned the Roman world upside down, not by violence, but by the message that they proclaimed. They brought the greatest empire in human history to its knees because of what they were telling people about this resurrection. They went around telling people this message that's recorded to us in the book of Ephesians. They said, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Do you know what dead people can do? Nothing. Dead people can't change their situation. He's like, this was our state. We were dead in our sins in which we once walked, following the course of this world, you know, following the monopoly way. It led only to one outcome, death. He said, this was our path. We were following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. We were listening to all the wrong voices. We were following the wrong teachers, the wrong leaders, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. He's saying, this is the message they went around saying. They're like, we followed the monopoly way, and you have too. You know for a fact it doesn't work. You know for a fact it leads only to broken relationships, broken communities, all so that 1% might gain something and everyone else lose. He's like, you, you know what this is like. And you know as bad as it is right now, it's only going to get worse if we continue following this monopoly. That's the message they're saying. Look, we've been following this pathway. But here's the good news that they offer. But God, and you know if any message falls but God, it's going to be good. They say, but God, being rich in mercy... 
Because of the great love with which he loved us. Get that. God really loves you. Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. Remember, you can't do anything when you're dead, right? Even when we were dead in our trespasses, here's what he did. He made us alive together with Christ. How? By his grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Oh, that's so good. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Meaning that God has done this so that for all of eternity he can brag to all the cosmos about what he has done for you. So he can brag about what he has done for you. How he loved you. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. Meaning you're not going to be restored. You're not going to be in this relationship by your merits by becoming a, a good person, doing good things, or even by being here this morning. If you're thinking, man, I'm good with God because I came to the Bluff Church for Easter. That's not how it is. It's by faith that Jesus did enough, that he was who he claimed to be. And this is not your own doing, is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. This was your message, my friends, that changed the world, that might very well change your life. This is what they were passionate about. They're like, hey, you know you've been following the Monopoly way. We understand that's all you ever knew. That's what you were told to do by your community, by your parents. You're just following in their footsteps. This was the old way. You didn't know any better, but now there's a better way, a better way to be human. And yet, here's what I know is probably going through some of your minds. What I know I hear all the time in the community. So what? So what? So what if Jesus is who he claimed to be and did what he claimed to be and to do? Because I don't really see the evidence of what this really entails for someone's life. And see, my generation, that's the message we're going around pointing out. Because we have watched our parents and our grandparents, so much of our community and our world followed the monopoly way and just slapped Jesus on it to make ourselves feel comfortable. We've seen the rich and powerful who are more concerned with just gaining more power and riches for themselves with little concern about who they step on in the process and leave and losing in their wake. And they would say, man, we're Jesus followers. And we've seen churches do the exact same thing. In fact, we've seen church leaders do cruelty towards one another. You've seen it probably in the news this week. Who acted selfishly. Who acted like hypocrites. Rather than being ambassadors of the gospel of justice and mercy that Jesus proclaimed. Man, that's what we've seen. We've seen in statistics that there's no differences in divorce ratings in the church and outside the church. We see that statistics show that the pornography usage is the exact same. The abuse is the exact same. The chaos is the exact same. The fatherlessness, the exact same. The distortion of masculinity and woman, exact same, in and outside the church. Because we've watched the world somehow lose its way. We've watched the church somehow take the, the monopoly way and try to slap Jesus onto it. And that's not what Jesus called us to do. But let me tell you, my friend, I don't say this to upset anyone or point fingers because I know I'm just as guilty. Here's why I'm doing this, saying this. Because I know that there is true transformation possible. Because I've seen it. 
I've seen what happens when someone gives up the monopoly way for the Jesus way. I've seen what it does in my family, with family members who have done that. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in friends. I've seen it in many of you in this church who have similar stories of saying, man, this was my old life, and this was my path. I was following the monopoly way, but I've chosen a new path. I've chosen the Jesus way, and I'm doing my best, and there has been true transformation and fruit in your life. Let me bring up a case study to to bring up an example of this. And I want you, as I'm telling you this case study from an actual guy in real history who gave up the monopoly way for the Jesus way, I want you to think about what could God do in your life if the same was true for you. His name was Paul. You've probably heard about Paul, but let me tell you about how his story began. And in the beginning of his story, he was a very arrogant man. He was selfish. He was egotistical. He would sit back there in a crowd room with his arms crossed and think, I'm better than everyone else here. He was the kind of guy who lived his entire life saying, so what to all the Jesus followers? Because he did not think it was worth anything. He thought it was all baloney. He was what a typical man is. And what I mean by that is you're broken at your heart, but you think you're better than someone else, so you think you're good. Most men are like that. That was Paul's story. Until he met the resurrected Jesus and everything changed. He talks about his encounter in a letter he wrote to the church of Philippi. And he says this, and this is very important for us to read. I I want you to consider it for your own life. It's in Philippians where he tells people, he says, I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. He's like, I had every reason to say, so what? I had every reason to think, man, I don't need that whole Jesus thing. I don't need any of that because he had a list of reasons why he thought he was a good person, good enough. Better yet, he had a list of reasons why that told him that he must be good with God. And he lists it out. In the very next verse, he says, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks they're a good person or they don't need Jesus, he's like, I had reason to think that. I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, I know that probably doesn't mean anything in the 21st century, but here's what he's saying. I had all the status that you could possibly want. Everything that you crave to be, I had it. Right? I had the status, and I grew up thinking I was better than someone else. You, you probably have experienced this as well. If you ever grew up and your parents were talking bad about another couple, because they're implanting that message that therefore your family is better than someone else's family because of your situation, or because you hadn't made the same mistakes yet, or because you grew up in a certain house, or you grew up on the right side of the street. Paul's like, man, I had the status. I had what everyone wanted. I had every reason to believe I was better than someone else. And it wasn't just his status. He actually, actually had gained much with his life. He even listed it out. He's like, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was the pinnacle of manhood. He's like, I, I was the top dog. I was on the pedestal. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. He's like, man, I was so good. Man, you would look at me like, man, Paul, you're a perfect dude. You've never done anything wrong. He had spent his entire life gaining everything that we want to gain. All the money, all the power, all the prestige, all the positions. He's like, man, I gained all that. I won the Monopoly game. You play against me and you're flipping the table and I'm fanning myself with all the Monopoly money. He's like, I was the master of this. I thought I had it all. The very thing that so many of us want. And then he says this. Imagine, can you, imagine if you can say this. The very next sentence. He says, but whatever gain I had, 
I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Let me tell you, my friends, there is something truly special when a man gets the resurrection. Man, it's wonderful. It changes communities. He goes on, he says this, he says, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Man, everything is lost. Like, Paul, even, even all the money, even all the prestige, even all the things that you tried to earn, even all your social media likes and follows, you, you count that as a loss? He's like, yes, for the sake of gaining Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Man, would that be you? Would you have the courage to be able to say that? Everything changed for Paul when he met Jesus. And the world was better for it, and here's why. Because if Paul had continued playing the Monopoly game, the game that so many of us are still so addicted to, if he had continued playing that Monopoly game, he would have gained more status and accomplishments with his life, and people would have been applauding him, and then he would have died and been forgotten. Because he did not invest in anything really eternal. But then he met Jesus. And he saw the possibility that his life could have true meaning and true purpose. And he could actually build something eternal with his life. And the world has been better for it because 2,000 years later, we're still talking about his story. And I bring that up to make a, a point. What could God do in your life if you learned the same thing that Paul did? If you had an encounter with Jesus. If you came to believe that Jesus was who he said he was and you surrendered your life to that and you followed him, what, God, what could God do with your life? Would it not be beautiful to one day be able to share a table with Paul in heaven and Paul's like, hey, I gave up all these other things to gain something better. And you're like, Paul, I followed your example and look, there are other people around this table. There are other people in heaven, Paul, who are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus and how he's king of all things because I followed your example and I came after Jesus. Would that not be worth it? Because here's what the lesson boils down to. Here's what really Easter is about. It's not just a celebration that Jesus has died and, and forgiven us of our sins. We celebrate that every single Sunday. It's a wonderful truth that Easter means that there's a new way to be human now. It's the Jesus way. It's following him. It's surrendering him. It's being in partnership with him. Here's what it means. The resurrection gives us the power to lose what does not matter to gain what truly does matter. The resurrection gives us the power to lose what does not matter. To gain what does matter. Let me explain it like this. So I'm, I'm holding this little orange spoon, if you can see it. This, uh, this is my daughter's. Um, she's going to be two soon, so she's still a toddler. Uh, but when she was younger, this was her very first toy. And that's not a statement that we're poor or anything like that. Um, this was her first toy because this, she clung to this. Let me tell you, man, this was what she was always after. This is what she was seeking to gain. We couldn't go anywhere without her having this. Let me tell you, there were a few times I had to leave like friend's house or events to run home and find this and come back because if we did not, it was going to be terrible, right? Some of you parents, you're like, oh, we've been there with the little binky and the toys. This was her safety blanket. This was what she was trying to gain for the longest time. And then eventually... She started leaving it in places, started forgetting about it. This was no longer what she was trying to gain. Now it's a baby doll. One day it's going to be a phone, a job, a car. I'm praying hopefully one day it would be Jesus Christ, and I bring this up to make this point. In life, we all have our orange spoons, these things that we're trying to gain, 
They are a status. They are an accomplishment. They're a certain bank account. They're a certain image that we want others to have of us. There's certain, so many different things. But we all have it, and you know what it is, because as soon as I mentioned that you have an orange spoon in your life, it was probably the first thing that just popped in your head. And when we live our lives trying to gain this and just slap Jesus on as an addition, you know what the world's going to say? So what? So what? Because they don't see a difference. But when you're a Jesus follower, the question is not, can I gain this? The question is, can I trust Jesus with this and focus on gaining him? Can I trust Jesus with my relationship status? Can I trust Jesus with this thing over here that I've been trying to accomplish? Can I trust Jesus with my business? Can I trust Jesus with my family? Can I trust Jesus with X, Y, Z, whatever it is? Man, that's what happens when someone truly gets the resurrection. The question is, can I trust Jesus with this? And usually, if you're a Jesus follower, you know the answer is yes. Because the dude predicted his own death and resurrection and pulled it off. Surely he can take care of your orange spoon. You want to know what happens when, a, when someone gets this and gets the resurrection? You want to know what happens when a man understands the resurrection and gives up his orange spoon for Jesus? Well, let me tell you, it's awesome. Because rather than being a typical man who lives to, to be served, he's constantly asking himself, how can I create an extraordinary marriage? How can I create an epic connection with my kids? How can I make sure my home life, that my family, when they're there, they know that they are loved, that they're seen, that they're heard. Not just they know it, but they're going to hear me say, I love you. They're going to see how I'm going to serve them. They're going to see how I'm going to empower them and equip them. They're going to see that rather than me seeking to be blessed, I'm going to live as a blessing to others. I'm going to serve others. I'm going to be the leader in my, my community, in my home that I've been called to be. That's what happens when a man gets the resurrection. Oh, man. A man like that is dangerous. A man like that changes communities. We need more men like that. You know what happens when a, a woman gets the resurrection? Oh, it's beautiful. Here's what happens with her. She stops building her self-worth on what people say, what she thinks they're saying about her, social media, and all the things in the world. She stops building her self-worth on that and starts building her self-worth on what the king says about her. And she stops playing the petty power games that most women play because she knows, man, if I was to play that game, that would take energy away from me loving someone like Jesus has called me to love. A woman like that changes lives and changes communities. You know what happens when anyone gets the resurrection and is willing to say, Jesus, take my orange spoon? They stop chasing after the same sex, money, and power, status, and accomplishments as everyone else. And they seek to gain something eternal with their lives. True meaning and true purpose. You know what happens when a church gets that? The community stops saying, so what? And they start saying, tell me more. I don't know about you, but I think that's worth laying down our orange spoons. And here's what I know is true for all of us. We all have an orange spoon. And the call to follow Jesus, it's a free gift of salvation. 
But there's always going to be something that Jesus says, will you trust me with that? Will you lay that down to gain me? And I know that there are some of you, maybe probably a good majority of you, don't have a true relationship with Jesus. Let this be the Sunday that changes. Because tomorrow morning, you're going to come across opportunities. You're going to come across situations, and it's going to be the same thing. Are you going to follow the Monopoly way or the Jesus way? One of them is the true winner because the Monopoly way is dead. It leads only to death and destruction. It looks flashy and good, but it will not make a true eternal impact. And you're going to come across those moments. Why not already today make the decision, man, I'm going to follow this Jesus. His way is now going to be my way. And for some of you, here's what you need to do in order to do that. For some of you today, you need to get right with God. You need to talk to someone. So here in a little bit, we're going to have the band up here. They're going to be singing. And if you're like, man, the Holy Spirit's kind of talking to me, I need to get right with God. I need to talk to someone about what's going on. I need to talk to someone about Jesus. Or I just need someone to pray for me right now. In a moment, we're going to have people in the back of the room. I'm going to ask if there's any elders or elders' wives or ministry directors and their spouses as well. Feel free to go in the back of the room or up there. I'm going to be over here if you need to talk to me. Please. Don't waste this opportunity today to get right with Jesus. But for some of you, you're like, man, I've already been there. Here's the next step that you need to do. You need to get baptized. You need to show the community, hey, I'm done with the Monopoly way. I'm going to follow the Jesus way. I'm going to be part of his people. And that's what we're going to be celebrating on May 7th. And we're going to invite you to be part of that. Because maybe for you, you've never been baptized. You've never made the decision, I'm going to follow this Jesus. Let me tell you, when you do, oh, I can't recommend it enough. Your life will have true eternal value. And maybe for some of you, you just need to join us in the For the City. Take this faith that you say, oh yeah, I believe, and actually put it in practice. Put hands and feet on it and join us on April 22nd to be part of the Christian community. Serving this community to shine the light of Jesus. It's going to be a great day. I'm going to ask everyone to, to bow your head and close your eyes. If you're an elder, elder wife, ministry director, and all them, you can move to the back of the room. And here, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything like that, because true confession of following Jesus involves interaction with another human being. Say, I believe this. And I know there are some of you that need to get right with Jesus today. And so I'm going to say a prayer in a moment. And if you are like, man, I need to get right with God, I'm going to ask you to just pray this prayer along with me. It goes like this. And there's no magic to the words or anything like this. It's about your condition of heart of wanting to be right with God and have the life that he's always promised. Here it is. Just pray this with me. Jesus, I believe that who you claim to be is who you really are. And I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose again all in accordance with your, your scriptures and all in accordance with what you said. And I recognize that means I have sinned and I have messed up. Jesus, I have followed the monopoly way. And I'm tired of it. It's not getting me anywhere. I'm trusting you, Jesus. I I surrender my orange spoon to you. I give you my life, Jesus. Would you please just be with me, be in my life? I want to follow you as my true Lord and Savior. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Now, go ahead and keep your eyes bowed for a moment. If that was you, let me tell you, I fully believe that salvation has come for you today. 
And I fully believe that tomorrow you're probably going to have the worst day of your life. <laughs> and I say that because the enemy does not want you to give up the monopoly way. Because he knows what happens when men and women give to the Jesus way. And the enemy doesn't want that. But you're part of the winning side now. And that's the great joy. So please don't leave here without having a conversation with someone. Like I said, there are people in the back of the room if you want to have a private conversation and no one can see you. Or if you want to have a conversation with me, please come up or take one of those connection cards, mark on there saying, hey, I need to talk to someone about following Jesus and I'll contact you this week and we'll set a time for us to meet and have a conversation that might change your life because here we are to serve, to love, to care for you because we love you. You can go ahead and open your eyes now. We're going to join in with the time of singing and worship. Go ahead and stand up on your feet because this is what resurrection causes to do. It causes us to be thankful for what Jesus has done. And we're going to sing and celebrate that because that, man, that's what the Jesus way is all about. It's Thanksgiving. Sing with us now. <laughs>